The reading today is taken from 1 Peter chapter 2, verses 1 to 10, which can be found on page 1221 in the Bibles under the chairs in front of you. And this is the word that was preached to you. Therefore, rid yourselves of all malice and all deceit, hypocrisy, envy, and slander of every kind. Like newborn babies crave pure spiritual milk, so that by it you may grow up in your salvation, now that you have tasted that the Lord is good. The living stone and a chosen people. As you come to him, the living stone, rejected by humans, but chosen by God and precious to him, you also, like living stones, are being built into a spiritual house to be a holy priesthood, offering spiritual sacrifices acceptable to God through Jesus Christ. For in scripture it says, See, I lay a stone in Zion, a chosen and precious cornerstone, and the one who trusts in him will never be put to shame. Now to you who believe, this stone is precious. But to those who do not believe, the stone the builders rejected has become the cornerstone, and a stone that causes people to stumble, and a rock that makes them fall. They stumble because they disobey the message, which is also what they were destined for. But you are a chosen people, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, God's special possession, that you may declare the praises of him who called you out of darkness into his wonderful light. Once you were not a people, but now you are the people of God. Once you had not received mercy, but now you have received mercy. Thank you, Sarah, and uh, good morning again. I should have introduced myself. My name's Scott, one of the ministers here. It's super nice to be in church together this morning. Hey, uh, just before we pray and begin, a couple of quick things from me by way of housekeeping. Firstly, it it should be um, hmm, praiseworthy news that last Sunday was actually the biggest Sunday we have ever had at St. Matthew's, not being Christmas or Easter. 540-odd people. Um, They weren't all odd, but there was a lot of people is what I'm saying. We're in church, which is just excellent, isn't it? What that means for us here is that the car parking at the school is kind of crucial, uh, and so we need to kind of park nice and close together, as close as we can. And, uh, you know, what are a few scratches on your car when you come to church? And if you could not park or drive over the painted surfaces, that would be super. Secondly, uh, if you're um, a mum or a dad with a little one and you want kind of a comfortable place to experience and enjoy church, just letting you know that we do have a parents' room through here. And there's a live feed through that camera there, so I'm just saying hi to all the people in the parents' room. Hope you have a good morning. Thirdly, we've got a funeral um, here sort of in between the services, so if you'd be happy to take kind of your stuff with you when you go, that would be terrific. That's enough of that. Let's pray and get down to business. Heavenly Father, you're good. You give so many good things, particularly your Son, the Lord Jesus Christ. But you give us your word, which testifies to him, and you give us one another. So help us to, together, listen to your word that testifies to your son that we might become more like him. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. I wonder if you ever feel um, uneasy in the world. You ever feel like you don't quite belong? Ever feel like you're not really at home? Ever felt a touch of awkwardness amongst the folks of this world? Maybe you feel like you're a bit of a square peg When everyone else is a round peg that just fits kind of snugly into their place. You ever felt like that? I remember when I um, worked in the city, you get invited to kind of cocktail parties and networking events and things like that. And they were kind of fun because um, 
you know, free food and drink, and that's always fun. But uh, I never look forward to them, partly because I'm not massively extroverted, and uh, I can get a little anxious in those large kind of social settings. Now, there there are strategies that can help you deal with that sort of anxiety, but I actually think it wasn't just because I'm not a great social butterfly. I think those occasions really highlighted that as a Christian, there was just a gap. There was a gap between me and the other folks. Obviously, there was a gap in what we might do there. I couldn't, as a Christian, get blind drunk. There was a gap in uh, the kind of conversation you could join in. Uh, How could I, as a Christian man, join in the banter with all the other boys about the women there at the party or join in their disdain of God or religion? Uh, There was a gap in really who you were and there was a gap in what you lived for and it felt really pronounced on those occasions in particular. And I felt like a square peg amongst a whole lot of round pegs who just neatly fitted in and I didn't. I wonder if you've ever sensed that as Christians we're different. Cutting against the grain, swimming against the tide, not quite belonging, not quite at home here. Well, you probably should have felt that because... We're not at home here. We're actually on a journey towards our heavenly home. And so the question for us today is, how are we going to get to our heavenly home if we don't really fit in here, into the community of this world? Now, the answer is not actually just by rejecting the world. It's not by kind of forming a little holy huddle completely cut off from the world, but it is by finding a place in an alternative community, an alternative family in the church, the people of God, your fellow travellers, as it were. And that's what we're going to be thinking about today. We're going to be thinking about why it's so important and how to make the most of it. Now, just to put today kind of in the context of the series, where we're in the middle of our commitment series. It's called Walking with God. And we've been learning about how we are on a journey of faith. It's a journey of the heart with God to our heavenly home. But we don't travel alone. And today we're going to see that though we may not obviously belong to this world, we are a special belonging to God. And we'll also see that he expects us to grow and to grow together. So that is where we are heading today. Firstly then, uh, today we are special to God just as Jesus is. We're we're special to God. We're a precious belonging of his. Just as Jesus was special to God, the church, that is, the community of his people is very special to him. And those two words, precious and chosen, are used throughout the second half of that chapter from 1 Peter 2. Precious and chosen. And though we can feel choice overwhelming which you know if you ever go to KFC and look at the menu, (laughs) you're like, I just want some chicken, you know. Uh, This passage tells us about two very important choices that God has made. First choice is his choice of Jesus to be the cornerstone of his kingdom and the cornerstone of his new people. Hope you've got your Bibles open there in front of you, 1 Peter chapter 2. And speaking of Jesus as though he were... The first and most important building block in a new temple, verse 4, reminds us he is the living stone. Though he was rejected by humans in his earthly life, he was chosen by God and he's precious to God. Or, um, to put it another way, have a look at verse 6. I lay in Zion, says God, that's Jerusalem, a chosen and precious cornerstone. It's talking about Jesus, not like a rock, because it goes on to say that the one who trusts in him, not it, the one who trusts in him will not be put to shame. 
And though verse 7 and 8 reiterate that Jesus was rejected by people in his earthly life, it also reminds us that Jesus was chosen by God and precious to God and also very precious to us, to those who believe. He is precious to us, isn't he? As we sit here in church this morning, don't we actually think, yes, he is wonderful. Yes, he's beautiful. Yes, he is worthy of all that we have. He is precious to God, and he is precious to us too. You know, I think um, the whole kind of idea of prized possessions or special possessions has largely been lost on our generation. Uh, And maybe that's because lots of us just have too many possessions, really, don't we? And most of us, if we need something or we want something, within reason, we'll just go out and buy it. We don't even really wait for Christmas to come around or wait for our birthdays anymore. But children still have special toys, don't they? They've got favorite toys, special possessions. You know, maybe it's a, it's a girl's favorite teddy and she leaves it at grandma's place across town. And of course, she only figures that out when you pull into your driveway. And no, it can't wait until the next time we're at grandma's. In fact, it cannot wait even until tomorrow. So you turn the car around and you head back across town to Grandma's. It's a special possession, that teddy. Uh, When I was a little fella, I loved cars, just loved them. And my mum said that I would go to sleep with a little kind of matchbox car in each hand. One of my uh, earliest memories was being in hospital for an operation. And obviously I didn't want to go, but my parents bought me a little car and it made everything okay. I thought that was a pretty cheap way to do it, wasn't it? <laughs> I wonder if you had a, uh, a prized possession when you were growing up. These uh, verses tell us that Jesus is the prized possession of God, but also that Jesus is precious to us as well. And, and as the Apostle Peter goes on in verses 9 to 10, he says something extraordinary, something which we scarcely dare believe, something that should be of enormous relief to us if you have ever felt like you don't really fit into this world. Read along in verse 9 and 10 with me in your Bibles there. You are a chosen people, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, God's special possession, that you may declare the praises of him who called you out of darkness into his wonderful light. Once you were not a people, but now you are the people of God. And on it goes. You know, we feel like we're not at home here. We're not meant to feel like we're at home here. You feel like you don't really belong in this world. What you've got to know is that you belong to God or we belong to God. We are his special possession. Not individually, but actually together, we are his special possession. And it will actually profit us to to look at each of those statements a little bit more closely because they're not random ideas. Each of those are chosen people a royal priesthood, a holy nation, God's special possession, are terms that are used to describe the Old Testament people of Israel, the Old Testament people of God in places like Exodus 19, which I've got up here. In Exodus 19, God says to Moses, out of all the nations, you, Israel, will be my treasured possession. Although the whole earth is mine, you will be for me a kingdom of priests and a holy nation. So you compare those words in Exodus 19 to the words of 1 Peter 2 that you've got open in front of you and you see that the Apostle Peter has applied those terms to all those who believe in his son, the living stone, 
the Lord Jesus Christ the cornerstone. And firstly, he says, we're a chosen people. You know, this uh, fledgling little nation of Israel in the Old Testament was chosen by God to bring his witness and light to the world, not because they were great, but because God was great. And he wanted to show his greatness to the world through them, little them. You know, friends, it's not accidental that we are here together as God's church, his people, the community of Christians. Like Israel, we've been chosen by God, not because we're great, but because he's great, to bring his light and witness to the world. A royal priesthood. Priesthood in the Old Testament, you, you may well know, was a selected group of Israelites that was set aside to minister God's grace to the people and to offer the sacrifices of the people to God. Very important job uh, back then, but reserved for just a select few people. But did you notice that the Apostle Peter here applies royal priesthood to all Christians? In other words, he says, you're a priest. You're a priest if you trust in Jesus. We all serve God. We all minister his grace to others. The only difference between you and me is time. Now, just a second. There's a little... You're right, there's a... I think he's excellent. We got him. Hasn't escaped. None of you know what I'm talking about, do you? It's all good. Let's go back. (laughs) Royal priesthood. (laughs) No, this is what I was saying. You are all priests. We are all priests if we trust in Jesus. We all serve God. We all minister his grace to others. You know the only difference between you and me, other than the fact that you have hair and I don't, the only difference is time. It is the only difference. We are all priests ministering God's grace to one another and to a watching world. And you know what that little phrase, a royal priesthood, means even more than just we are all priests? It means there is something royal about us, your majesties if you don't mind. Not just that we serve the king of the universe, but that we also share in his reign into eternity. It says we are a holy nation, and that's what Israel was supposed to be in the Old Testament, a nation declared to be holy that is set apart from the nations of the world in order to witness to God's goodness, and clearly Israel failed. But I want you to imagine being a a first century Christian, and you're isolated socially, geographically, you're scattered across the known world due to persecution, you feel like a foreigner and a stranger in the world and we know what that feels like and you imagine they'd be thinking, I'm lonely, I'm isolated, I don't belong and Peter says, no, you don't understand. You Christians are a nation, a holy nation, a people that belongs to God, his special possession." I know what you feel like because I feel it too, but that is what you, plural, are. It's effectively what Peter is saying to them. And it's what he's saying to us as well. This is what we are, a chosen people. A royal priesthood in which we all minister God's grace. A holy nation, even if we're scattered, even if we're smacked about by life and special to God. Mind you, we weren't always like that. At one time, before we trusted in Christ, we were in darkness. Man, we were without his mercy, but now he has dragged us out of the darkness of our sin and the attendant judgment and the accompanying ignorance into his mercy and into forgiveness 
and into a knowledge of the gospel of his son Jesus. And so this ragtag bunch of believers in the ancient world became the people of God. What a wonderful thing. And this fairly motley crew I see before me today, if I can say that, are as well. We exist for one another, folks, and uh, we exist to declare the praises of God to a watching world, and we exist for God as well. Just as Jesus was chosen and precious to God, so is the church, the community of Christians, chosen and precious to him. And I just wonder, you know, whether we should just pause there. Just pause there and let that sink in. Chosen people. Belonging to God. Holy nation. Royal priesthood. He says that is who we are. Do you notice the Apostle Peter, he didn't say, listen, if you do this and uh, you do that and this other thing, then there's a chance, you know, just a small chance, you might become one day royal priesthood, holy nation. He actually says, no, that is who you are. Rescued by God, coming to Christ, trusting in what he has done for us. That is together who we already are if we trust in Jesus. And I think, man, maybe we do need a minute or two just to let that sink in. But there is actually more to say because God expects that we will grow. Have a look at verse 2. He says, grow up into your salvation. Uh, And there's an expectation we will grow together. That's the second thing for today. God expects that we will grow and grow together. Or to use the, the other metaphor of the passage, he expects we will be built together. Now, I'm fascinated by buildings and the building process. And I envy the satisfaction that builders of all kinds must get from a finished product. I'd love to have that feeling. However, I'm personally relieved that I was not involved in the building process of the pyramids because that sounded like quite a mission. Now, there's a whole bunch of conspiracy theories that explain the extraordinary precision of the pyramids' construction. Some of those theories involve alien builders. That's a bit weird. But uh, they've kind of settled on a theory that the great limestone and granite rocks were quarried from as far as a 1,000 kilometres away, then kind of floated um, up or down the Nile, whichever direction that is, north. And then the stones were kind of pulled on sleds or rolled across logs to near the pyramids where stonemasons would prepare the kind of slabs. And then the heavy blocks were added layer by layer, lifting the blocks up kind of ramps that were made either of earth or of wood. And I just look at that and think, well... um, That sounds like quite a bit of work. And it required tens of thousands of workers over decades. But they're just, there's something about that mental picture, isn't there? About blocks or stones coming together to form a building. And that's the idea we see in verses 4 and 5. As you come to him, who? The living stone, that's right, Jesus, rejected by humans, chosen by God and precious to him. Have a look in your Bibles, verse 5. You also, like living stones, are being built into a spiritual house to be a holy priesthood, offering spiritual sacrifices acceptable to God through Jesus Christ. 
So we come to Jesus. He's the living stone. He's the cornerstone, like we've already said, the one chosen and precious to God. But we also are like living stones. And together we are being built into a spiritual house. And the Apostle Peter is playing with this idea of, or metaphor of the Jerusalem temple, where the Old Testament people of God would worship God. But this new building, this new spiritual house, this new temple, it's not made of heavy blocks. It's made of living stones. And they're far superior materials. And Jesus is the cornerstone. He is the most important building block, the living stone. So we come to him. We don't come to an altar. But we are also living stones in this new structure that God is building. Living stones that become a spiritual house. You see, there is just a basic expectation that we will be built by God. And built together to become all those wonderful things that God already declares us to be. There is a basic expectation that we will grow. Verse 2 says, grow up in our salvation. There's a basic expectation we will grow together. Now I don't reckon we get to this stage of our lives. Late 20s, 30s. 40s, 50s, 60s and other decades without being punched and battered and bruised by life. And we can live in a place as lovely as manly and yet still carry bruises and scar tissue on our souls. And that can leave us very tired and discouraged in the Christian life. But there is a very basic question. I think it's very basic. We all have to ask ourselves, do I want to grow? Do I want to grow? I know it can feel hard and it can feel tiring. Just think of the alternative though. You grow or you wither. You get built or you get derelict. You don't just stay static. So as tiring and as hard as it might sound humanly speaking, when I ask the question, do you want to grow as a Christian? You know the answer has to be yes. It has to be yes. Otherwise you're saying, no, actually I would prefer to wither. I would prefer to crumble. I would prefer to become derelict in my soul. Now, if the answer to the question is, yes, I want to grow, I need you to see, and you know this, right? You know this. It'll only happen by God, in the power of his Holy Spirit, with the light of his word, but also only in community, with others growing together, with other living stones coming to the living and precious and chosen cornerstone Jesus and being built into a spiritual house. So look around at the people around you. Look at them. That is the team that is going to help you grow up into your salvation. That is the team that's going to help you make it to your heavenly home. This is the team that God is building. And the only thing more terrifying than the thought that they're on the team is the thought that you're on the team, isn't it? When you know your own heart. And despite uh, my natural pessimism, And my natural cynicism about things, I've got to say I'm remarkably confident about that. You might be thinking, well, God help us all. Well, he's going to do exactly that, isn't he? If we trust him, if we ask him. I know our culture is, uh, it's just so individualistic, isn't it? That's just so entrenched. You know, we cannot do this growing thing on our own. Even that list of vices you might have seen in verse 1 there that we're supposed to rid ourselves from. Did you notice they're all kind of corporate vices? I mean, 
you're only malicious if you're malicious to someone else. You can only be a hypocrite if other people are watching. It's just another way of saying that growing or being built, it's going to be a group activity. Living as the people God has already declared us to be, it's going to be a communal thing. And friends, this really has clear implications for our time together. It really does mean we've got to prioritise gathering as the people of God each week. If we are going to be an alternative community of fellow travellers journeying towards our heavenly home, it's not going to work if you just treat our time together as another item on an already overscheduled life and the very easiest thing to drop when things get hectic. It's not going to work. You know what I think we need to do? you just got to automate the decision to come on Sunday. Barack Obama, I don't know if you realise this, he's got a blue suit, he's got a grey suit. He wears a grey suit today, he wears a blue suit tomorrow, he wears a grey suit the day after. Do you know what he's done? He's automated the decision because he doesn't want to have to spend mental energy deciding each day. You want to automate the decision to come to church so you don't have to rethink it every Sunday morning. It's Sunday, I go to church. Very easy. If you're sick, please stay at home. I don't want to get sick. Otherwise, I'll see you in church. That'll be great. Now, it also means, far from just being in the building, we want to make the absolute most of our time together. As we start on time, let's like arrive on time. And you're going to have to factor that in because there's kids and there's parking and all that sort of stuff. And you know when you go over to collect your coffee on the way to church, I wonder if you could just use that as a time to pray for our time together. I mean, I wonder if you could pray, Lord, teach me something from someone today. Help me to encourage someone to keep going and growing today. You might want to use the walk down the Corso or wherever it is to be thinking this question, how will my presence motivate some fellow Christians to crave the pure spiritual milk of the Word of God? What spiritual sacrifice might I offer today or encourage another to offer? I wonder as we even come to church whether there's an expectation, any expectation, when you gather with the people of God with these other living stones week by week, that it's an opportunity to grow and encourage others to grow. Of course it's going to be very hard to do that if we're not here. Are you happy? (laughs) Thank you. (laughs) It's going to be very hard to do that if we're not here. But it's also going to be hard for us to do that if if we're here but kind of unprepared. So I would say, let me encourage you to do that. Prepare ourselves for what we do. Now, there are these other days in the week. You know, ministers are obsessed with Sundays, but there's other days in the week, right? We're vaguely aware of that, the other six. The rest of the week in which we can also offer spiritual sacrifices, like gospel generosity, like singing and praying the praises of God, like the sharing of our possessions, the living of our whole lives, heart and soul, work and leisure, all that sort of stuff for God in a very similar way to the way the early church did. I think we're going to need encouragement to live for Jesus on the other six. Now, one of the ways that we try to give encouragement to live for Jesus on the other six is via small groups. It's, it's kind of part of the way we try to make the big groups small. It's part of the way that we try to know and be known by others. It's part of the way we try to care for one another. And I think um, being in small groups is really like swimming between the flags at the beach. Now, I'm a bit alarmed about this picture because there's just one flag. I don't know which side you're supposed to swim on. <laughs> but, but you know what it's like when you swim between the flags of the beach? You've just got a better chance of being looked after, don't you? You're, you're in closer proximity to other people, uh, you know, looking out for one another. I mean, we, we really do try to look after everyone here, but uh, it's going to be a lot harder to do that if someone's swimming way up the other end of the beach on their own. 
Now, a lot of us are in small groups, and uh, uh, let me just say this. Some of you younger dads and that, I think you've been a bit reticent to jump back in. Uh, you know, life's it's complicated, man. I get that. I've, I've been there, I am there. And you're like, oh, I don't know if I can join a small group. I've got a kid. I've got a new kid. I'm like, dude, you ain't got a new kid. You've got a new life. In all seriousness, you're going to wait till it settles down. You could be waiting 20 years. You've got to work out a way to jump in somehow and, and find community. And small groups could be one of those ways. Now, the thing is, turning up to a small group does not equal growing. It's not a guarantee. Uh, it might be a place of support and comfort and nurture and relationship. I really hope it is. But we also want to make sure that our small groups are environments where we're growing into the people that God has declared us to be, that we're growing up into our salvation, that we're being built into the corner or built together on the cornerstone of Christ. And you know what? In your small group, if there is love and if there is trust, there can also be encouragement and challenge and rebuke and depth and prayer. So that we think of our small groups like metaphorically in our minds, not so much as a living room just with comfy couches, even though that might be where we meet, but as a kitchen or as a workbench or a gym room where we're growing and building uh, and being built by God. Now, um, the truth is that not everyone can make it to a small group. Okay, I totally understand that. Not everyone can make it a small group. And so what I want to do is encourage everyone to use the opportunities that exist for you to grow. Maybe you just meet up with a fellow believer to pray once a week in the city. Maybe that's what you do. Uh, maybe it's in a cafe somewhere down here. Maybe you're driving home and you give someone a call to encourage them to grow. Maybe it's just morning tea afterwards. Whatever it is, folks, we've got to use the opportunities that are available to us to actually grow. We can just talk about the rugby and that is fine, but we've got to go beyond chasing an inflated pigskin around a paddock if we're going to grow as Christians, if we're going to be built together. So let me encourage you to do that. Now friends, as we finish, you might not feel like you really fit in this world, not just because you're shy or anxious like me, but because you're Christian. And I think we've seen today that makes plenty of sense. Because our home isn't here, is it? We're, we're journeying towards our heavenly home. And I want to say if you don't feel like you really fit in the world or really belong in the world, take heart. Because we do belong to God, just like Jesus. And we're chosen by God to be his, just like Jesus. And we're precious to God, just as Jesus was precious to God and precious to us. I think this stuff today is stupefyingly good news. That we are a chosen people, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, God's special possession, a people belonging to him. But as we've seen today, all those descriptions are corporate, they are communal, they are together kinds of words. So as we keep coming to Christ, he will build us together as if we were a spiritual house, a new temple. And he thinks that we will grow up into our salvation as we grow together. And so these people around you and these people in your small groups, they're key players in your life. They're other living stones. They're an alternative community. And they're fellow travellers on the heavenward journey. As Christian people, we walk with God. And we walk together. We journey with Him. But we journey with one another too. 
And I'm going to give us a chance to express that now. So I'd like you to all be uh, up on your feet. That's right now. Let's go, guys. We can do this. Now, uh, there's a great little... The way 2 Corinthians, the book of 2 Corinthians ends is with these words. It's called the grace. We're going to say it together. You ready for this? May the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ and the love of God and the fellowship of his Holy Spirit be with us all evermore. Amen. Good. You've learnt it. Now, here's the thing with that. It's not a prayer. It's not something you say to the minister. It's something we say to one another. So I would like you to turn inwards so that everyone is facing into the front, into the aisle, the middle aisle. So you guys turn to your right, you guys turn to your left. It's like Braveheart, isn't it? (laughs) And I would like us to say this to one another. And if you're courageous, why don't you lock eyes on someone and say it to them like you really mean it. You up for this? Let's say these words together. May the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ and the love of God and the fellowship of the Holy Spirit be with us all evermore. Amen. Well done, people. You did it. Now stay standing because we are going to sing our final song together. And uh, like last week, I'm going to ask the prayer team if they can come down to the front area here. And if you would like prayer or you'd like to chat to someone about anything at all, uh, why don't you come down when the music is playing and there'll be people to chat and to pray to. I'm going to leave it in the hands of our capable band. This will also be our offertory song.